God is on your side. Is that good news? I hope so. Let's say it again because I think that's worth rejoicing. God is on your side. God is on my side. God is with us when we are going through good times. God is with us when we are going through troubled times. God is with us when we are faithful. God is with us when we fall short of that grace that God has given us to be faithful. I think if we can hold on to this promise, I think we that we will do so well in this world that is so riddled with its own troubles from ages past to ages present. God is on our side. I think the songwriter, when she put pen to paper with the words, Be still, my soul. The Lord is on your side. I don't know what her troubles were, but I'm sure she was going through some troubles of her own. Whether they be, were, whether they were troubles that were personal in nature to her, or there were troubles that were going on in the world in her age and time, she was inspired so to write these words to say that God is on her side and to be still her soul. And I love those, that, those words. Sometimes we think that these hymns are uh, archaic and we think that they have no relevance for us in our times, but when you, when you pay attention to the words of the authors in these hymns, you hear something about the soul and what they were dealing with. When you know something about their history, it, it reminds you that they found hope in God, faith in God, and they believed in God's word. And she went on to say, after be still my soul, she says, look, bear patiently your cross of grief and pain. So obviously something was going on in her life that was, you know, causing grief and causing pain to her. But yet she kept on believing in God and she kept on believing and hearing God say to her that God will provide. God is faithful to remain with God's people. And I, I believe that we are living in this 21st century and we are living in troubled times. You know, there are things that we see and we hear that tug on our emotions, they tug on our intellect, they tug on our social fabric. You know, we hear the political discord, we hear the economic uh, discord that goes on that can bring anxiety. We hear, you know, what's going on, how people are treating each other. We hear of terrorism. We hear of illnesses. We hear of people dying and, and they bring pain and they bring grief to our heart. But I think we as the church, we as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to remember that God is on our side. In spite of all that we go through, through the good times, through the bad times, through the in-between times, God is faithful to remain with God's people. So I have this professor, and 
he would always say, who ended up being my mentor, he would always say to me whenever we met, Virginia, how is it with your soul? And he would say, is your soul happy? Is it sad? Is it angry? Is it mad? Is it, uh, you're not sure. And that would lead into our discussions about what was happening with me in the moment and time. And I think sometimes we need to pause and to check in and ask our own self that question. How is it with my soul today? What are the things that are troubling me? You know, it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. Young children have young troubles. And, you know, older folks, we have older troubles to deal with. You know, and we need to help each other to understand that, you know, when we cry out to God, we will experience the presence of God, the peace of God, the hope that God gives us as people who are beloved by God. And I think when we listen to the readings from today, in their own times, you know, they all had troubles to deal with. As a matter of fact, it, when we read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, we read about God's people who were going through their own troubled times in their era. You know, we are no different from them, but yet there is hope in the messages that they heard from God. And I think when we start off with the first reading that we heard today, the reading from Jeremiah, we heard that God's people were uh, taken into exile. They were living in a period of time, especially the people in the southern kingdom, the people from Judah. For your biblical scholars, you know that you had Israel, the whole nation of Israel, and you know the nation was divided between the north and the south. At one period in time, the northern people were invaded by enemies and they were taken off. But in this particular reading for today, we are hearing about the southern kingdom, the kingdom of Judah, the capital being Jerusalem. God's people, you know, where God met God's people and, and promised them, you know, things that, you know, they held on to from their ancestors until their time. And what we hear from that reading is that the people of God, we didn't hear this, but you will, you, the history tells us that the people of God didn't always follow the, the commands of God. They did not always worship God. They worshiped idols. They did not, sometimes they were hot, sometimes they were cold, and God gave them several uh, warnings through different prophets, telling them that, look, you know, you need to change your ways, otherwise... You know, there's going to be a judgment. We don't like to hear that when we are reading the text in the Old Testament. But nevertheless, all of the texts in the Bible are texts for us to ponder and to reflect on and to look at ourselves and to see where we are in relationship with God. So what we do know is that the people were taken into exile. God permitted their enemies, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, the, the ruler of the Babylonian nation, God permitted him to come in and to invade Judah and Jerusalem and, and to take their elite people, so to speak, out of Jerusalem, out of Judah. The kings, the, the people who worked in the courts, the people who were the, the scholars of their time, the people who were gifted and people who had all manner of skills, 
they were removed from their land and they were taken into a foreign territory to live. They were living by the rivers of Babylon. And if you could imagine for yourself, to put this in context, if you, I, who are living here in this nation, if our nation was invaded, and if enemies came in and they destroyed our personal possessions, our people, and we lost so many things, and we were taken out of our nation to live in a foreign land, in a foreign culture, how do you think you would feel? You would be depressed. You would be devastated. You might be angry. You might be sad. All of those emotions. So here are the people from Judah who are taken from their land and they are in a foreign territory. And, and they are looking for a word from God. And the word came in the form of a letter from the prophet Jeremiah to those people that are in exile. And I could imagine that in their anticipation, they had hoped that they would hear God say something like, I'm going to defeat your enemies. I'm going to take you back into your promised land. I'm going to restore everything that the locust has eaten or taken from you. But what do they hear instead? They hear God saying through the prophet Jeremiah, Live where you are for a while. Make do. Move forward. Continue to live. Continue to build houses. Continue to have children. Continue to marry your children. Continue to do all the things that you would normally do. But do it in a land that you are not familiar with. And then to, to, to make matters worse, they hear God saying through the prophet, be mindful of the people, your enemies, that you are living among. In other words, care for their welfare. You know, take care of yourself, but also pray for your enemies. And you say, really God? After all we have been through, this is what you're telling us? You know, to live Bloom where you're planted, you know, bless the people, care for their welfare after they destroyed our lives. What's up, God, with all of this? Huh? We could imagine saying the same thing to God when life turns upside down and things don't work out the way we would like them to. We're like, God, are you there? Are you listening, God? Do you really want us to do X, Y, and Z. And God is saying something more to the people. He's saying in that passage that when you look out for the welfare of others, when you are compassionate with others, even though they be your enemies, your blessings will come to you. I think I hear Jesus saying that also in Luke chapter 6 where he told them, he says, look, it has been said, you are to love your neighbors and hate your enemies. But he said, I am giving you a new perspective on this. You are to love your enemies. Do good to them. Bless them. Bless those who persecute you. 
Bless those who curse you. And why should we do that? He goes on to say in that chapter and verses in Luke 6. He says, so that you would be sons and daughters of your father in heaven. It's not easy to love people who have hurt you. It's not easy to love people who continue to persecute you. It's not easy to forgive those who have offended you. And yet, Jesus is saying that we are to offer that kind of grace to our enemies. We are to offer that kind of grace and compassion because we are a unique people. We are people who are called into this holy living with God. People who have been saved by grace. People who have been called to live sharing mercy when it's necessary to others. Even in troubled times as we are living now, where we have immigration issues, we have LGBTQ plus issues, we have financial issues, we have all manner of issues in these troubled times. And yet Jesus says that we are to be patiently looking to God, trusting God to order our steps and our world, and allowing God to work within us, extending compassion to all persons. I think I want to share this with you because I was at a football game on Friday evening. It was a football game where my granddaughters attend Stafford High School. So I had received this invitation from my granddaughters to be present at this game so I could see them. One is in the special elite dance group and the other one is in band. So I received the text saying, this particular Friday, Granny, is a good Friday for you to come to our game, our home game. So I love my grandchildren, so I decided I'm going to go to the game. And as fate would have it, it would be the coldest Friday in fall, right? And anybody who knows me know I am not one for cold weather. So I heard the weather forecast, so I was prepared. I went with my long coat. I went with my red scarf because you know, the colors are red and gold. I had on my hat. I had on my socks. I even had some socks in my hand because I forgot my gloves. So I had an extra pair of socks and I put it on. My daughter was laughing at me. She's like, no, you didn't, mother. I said, yes, I did. I am cold, you know. So I'm there on the bleachers and, you know, I'm on the side, of course, with the home team and everybody is cheering when things go their way and they're booing when things go, don't go their way. And I'm huddled there and I'm like, oh Lord, when will halftime come? Because that's when they are going to perform and then I can say, I love you all, bye, kind of thing, right? So as we're there and it's in the second quarter and the home team is winning and everybody's happy and then 
all of a sudden, the visiting team had the ball, and then one of their players went down. And then everything became quiet in the stadium. And as this child is lying on the ground and coaches coming around and trainers attending to him, and I said a little prayer, please don't let it be a serious injury. And then after a few minutes, he stood up with the help of his trainers and he put his arms around over their shoulders and they helped him off the field. But what really caught my attention was the fact that when he stood up, the stadium erupted in applause. The home team and the visiting team guests applauded. And they applauded because, you know, even though the visitors were the enemy for that game, they cared enough for that visiting player because they didn't want that child to be hurt. So they were celebrating the fact that, oh my, he was able to stand up and he was able to walk off the field. That was compassion. Sometimes we may not care for people, you know, who are our enemies or who are doing things against us. But, oh God, we have to care about them because they are human beings. We have to have compassion for them because that is what God has called us to do, to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And I think in the gospel message today, we, we see Jesus and we hear Jesus uh, offering that compassion to the ten lepers. There were ten lepers. All we know is that they had leprosy. They had this degrading, debilitating disease back in the first century, you know, that would require them to be ostracized. They had to leave their community. They had to leave their families. They could not work. They had to be on the outskirts of society. And to make matters worse, for those who were lepers in Jesus' day, they had to be further humiliated to be able, anytime they would see people passing close by in a distance, they had to shout out, unclean, unclean, so that people would know that there were lepers in the area and stay away from them. But listen to Jesus in, in the Gospel of Luke. So Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus had his mind focused on the task ahead of him to go to the cross. And he's passing through Samaria and Galilee. And here are these lepers. And on this particular day, instead of crying out, unclean, unclean, what did they cry out? Jesus. Master, have mercy on me. And Jesus heard them. And Jesus knew what the social conditions were at the time. And what did he say to them? Go show yourself to the priests. Because that was the tradition, the customs of the day. That before a person who had leprosy could come back into community and resume life, they had to make sure that the priests would declare them healed. So 
The story tells us that all ten of them headed off to go to the priest. But somewhere along the way, they realized that they were completely healed physically. And then the scripture says, only one returned to praise God. And that one was a Samaritan. If you're wondering why did they highlight the fact that that one was a Samaritan, let me tell you that back then, the Samaritans were not considered as full Hebrew people. The Samaritans were considered as less than because they intermarried with some of the enemies who invaded the north and the southern kingdom. So the Samaritans were treated as if they were second-class citizens. And isn't it just like Jesus to break down all the barriers that we human beings can erect against each other? Isn't it just like Jesus to say that the grace of God is available to every human being, regardless of your race, regardless of your ethnicity, regardless of your social status, regardless of your sexual orientation. It's like God to say, I created you in my image. And even though you impose your own barriers against each other, I am here to tell you that I love you. I am here to tell you that you are all invited into this grace, this salvation grace that I have offered to you through your son, through my son, Jesus Christ. And I think that's what we hear in Second Timothy, the Apostle Paul, as he was going through his own difficult season in life, as he was being persecuted, as he was in Roman prison, because he dared to proclaim the good news of the gospel. He's writing this letter to Timothy and he's telling him this. Look, even though I am living in troubled times. And even though I am in prison. Because I dare to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. In his life, in his death and his resurrection. I still want you to know. Timothy, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not chained. And for everyone who believes in God through Jesus Christ, the good news of the gospel is yours. The promise of God that he is on your side, he will never leave you, he will never forsake you, is your promise. In good times, in difficult times, in painful times, in grief, in sorrow, in uncertainty, God still sends the same message to us in the 21st century. I am on your side. Things will get better. There will be joy again. And we need to be able to take this message in the midst of our difficult, troubled world. And we need to share it as often as we can to anyone who would listen, even to the ones who would not listen. God is on your side. 
be still my soul. In times of grief and pain, patiently bear your burdens because God is faithful to provide for you and to carry you through the seasons of life to the next season of joy. That is our hope. That is how we live today and every day in troubled times. And as we are living, we need to remember those who are out there, who we might think are on the fringes of society, and we need to offer that compassionate love to them so that they may know the same God we know, the same Christ that we serve, and they will be drawn to the light of Christ, the Savior of the world.